And welcome to a, another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we've got a special guest joining us. She's someone that I met about a year ago. And one of the reasons why she's coming on the show, her name is Miranda Taylor, and she's going to be joining us here just in a moment. But one of the reasons is because I do talk about, you know, taking your passion and making it happen. And I met her about a year ago, and she was just starting out in the real estate business, which has become her passion. And in a year's time, she's really blown up, not only because she's hardworking and dedicated, she has a spirit for it, but because she's doing things that are really helping people. And as she helps people achieve their dreams, it inspires her to do more. And so we talk about that thing, that kind of the snowball, once the snowball's going downhill and picking up momentum, and that's what it's kind of like for her. And so um, I've been following her on social media after we've did our business together as far as helping me find a place. And so um, I thought it'd be kind of fun just to talk to her and get some uh, inspiration from somebody else that is actually doing what we talk about here on the show. And Miranda, thanks for joining us. And it's good to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is like a dream come true. Like no joke. Um, I love being able to talk to people about things I care about. And this is fun. So one of the things that I know is out there for people is their dreams, their goals, their aspirations. It could be career-minded. It could be relationships. It could be anything. And at one point, the American dream is, you know, home ownership. And you're a part of that. You're a part of making people or helping people on that journey to achieving that dream and achieving that goal. When you guys are sitting there and signing the final documents and making that uh, transaction finalized, how does that make you feel? So the best feeling is, is once we get to the close date and I actually get to give my client the keys and their expression. Like most people are like in awe and shock because a lot of my clients, they are, they didn't think it could happen or they didn't think that they would be able to buy a home or that it was just a dream. I'm one of those people that I try to say yes when everybody else says no, because it's possible for everyone. So usually when I get to that moment, it's literally the best feeling and it's a huge feeling of gratitude. I love having buyers because no matter what, when we get to that ending, everyone is happy. Everyone is satisfied and everybody is just grateful to be there. Now, one of the things that goes into this, obviously, is hard work. And there's a lot of, I guess, um, requirements that people are looking for. There's things specifically that they might be looking for, preferences. Um, And then you've got, you know, the back and forth with the seller and so forth. So what happens in there is problem solving skills. And I think one of the hardest things we have in society, especially these days, is A, communication when communication is opposing you know like i want one thing you want something else i believe one thing you believe something else we have a hard time communicating so obviously you have to resolve communication issues but then you have to kind of bring two people together and kind of be an arbitrator of the differences so how does that affect your daily life in trying to bring people that are opposite together to the center so that you can make this thing happen Well, when most people think about it, they think about it as like opposing sides, right? But in reality, both people on that side want the same thing. They really do. One person wants that and the other person wants to get rid of it. So 
the way I look at it is it is a negotiation and everybody has to benefit. So it's not just, it has to be give and take on both ends. Like with any relationship, even um, a buyer seller relationship, you have to have give and take on both ends. And that communication is what's important. And when you see like the two sides of the coin working and they work towards the same goal, instead of separating that out and saying, Oh, my person needs all of their things and we need all of our things. That's not going to work. You have to come together. So when I attack negotiations, I look at them that way. I don't look at them as like, oh, they're the opposite side. While sometimes, you know, it can feel that way. But if you take out that animosity or like that negative feeling of being opposing or good and bad or whatever kind of feelings that bring up in that situation and literally just look at the situation of what needs to be the end result, everybody wins. And that's, that's how I look at every single negotiation. Everybody has to win a little bit. Well, I think that's a good approach because a lot of times it's a narcissistic society and we want it all. We want it all my way or the highway or it's my way or no way. And I think that's one of the issues that we have in society is I don't really want to say you have to compromise, but sometimes you do have to meet in the middle and you don't have to sell your beliefs or sell your soul for anything, but you do have to come in the middle sometimes because I think it's put upon us that there's a one-size-fits-all solution to any problem out there. It's like this is the only way, whether it's politicians, whether it's bosses, whether it's coworkers, relationships, whatever it is, they always say there's a one-size-fits-all solution. I don't think that's the case because people are different. People aren't one size. People aren't one shape. People aren't one thought. And so to have differences, you have to be able to have some flexibility and thought. And for you, I would imagine it, having to understand both sides and then bringing that difference together and then allowing communication to flow and bring actually realistic expectations as well. Well, and I think a lot of people, when they go in to like the home buying process, especially if they're a first time home buyer, they don't know what's supposed to happen. They don't have that information or that knowledge or that education that this is normal or this isn't normal. And you went through it. You know how stressful that was. Um, and it's important that communicating part, when you have somebody on the opposite end that just wants to text or doesn't want to communicate, it is extremely difficult or they only want to communicate one way or they want to, they, they won't adjust to you. It makes it very hard, no matter what part of the transaction they're on, whether they're on the opposing side or they're your client. Um, it's extremely difficult when you are managing people that way and doing those kind of negotiations. And the way I deal with it is just with blunt honesty and transparency. Um, I will never keep information from a client or keep information from the other side that they need to know, if that makes sense. Um, I have had lots of people who've like lied in transactions and things like that. And it's just not necessary when you, when you all have that same goal, because no matter what, you all have that same goal. No matter if you think about any argument in general, everybody has like they're attacking each other, but they have the same goal. They want to fix the problem. And instead of focusing on each other, focus on the solution. So. So it's really like your official role is, yeah, you real estate agent, but you're playing the role of counselor. You're playing the role of advisor in some situations, peacemaker. Uh, I mean, you've got all these hats that you're wearing and you're juggling them. I mean, do you like that? Oh, so 
fun fact about me, uh, the higher the stress, the more I thrive. Um, maybe that's toxic. I don't know. That's a whole nother can of worms. But I am a busybody. So I love the fact that my job is different every single time. It requires intense amounts of problem solving. It requires intense amounts of people skills. I love people. I believe that is the reason I exist um, to help other people thrive and build other people up. So it's so important for me that my job lets me access those hats because I am a jack of all trades and a master of some, not none. Um, so it's it's one of those jobs that literally allows me to flex all of those weird little quirks I have that make me me and those little talents that you don't always get to see in everyday life because I have to deal and manage with manage with all different types of people. So that makes sense. It's kind of, it's kind of like when we, when we deal with people, you know, it's kind of like you go into the gym, especially when you're dealing with customer service and you're dealing with, you know, multiple people instead of just one on one. You go to the gym, you're working out, you've got all these different muscle groups that you have to work out and it requires different, you know, weights, different equipment, maybe uh, strategies, all these different you know theories go into working out the body. It's almost that way when it comes to when you have a passion that deals with people and you say you love people. It's like you're working out every part of that uh, personality, that mindset, you know, the the uh, the philosophy of life. I mean, you've got all this stuff going on. And I think that in essence will grow people a lot more because when you have to continue to work those things out and you're continually working those out, um, whatever it is that you're working on, like you said, whether it's a counselor, an advisor, you know, peacemaker, you're working those different aspects of yourself out, your psyche out. I think it makes you a better person in the end because you are always getting better, always getting stronger in those areas. And you're always learning too. Well, absolutely. And then another part about like my job and what I tell people who want to be a real estate agent is it's stressful. It can be expensive. It can be exhausting. Um, you have to take care of your mental health and you also have to set proper boundaries because people try to break those all the time. And then on top of that, like you have to be able to network and you have to be able to appeal to a wide variety of people. You can't just appeal to one type. Now, some people say like you can niche down and things like that, but you have to be a genuine person. If you're not a genuine person and you come across as fake, it makes it harder to be successful. And so what's beautiful about being a real estate agent and being like, I would consider myself a public figure. Um, my friend, I was very flattered. She's like, you're a celebrity, Miranda. I'm not a celebrity by any means, but I am a public figure and I am in the public eye. So when I make choices about where I'm going to put my time, where I'm going to volunteer, where I'm going to put my energy, I try to do it in places that build that brand that I, I want to showcase. Like I meet with three different women every single week and I just talk with them and I help them get unstuck with life like that. It has nothing to do with real estate. It has nothing to do with anything I do, but it's a way for me to get my name out there. It's a way for me to network and it's a way for me to build people up and continue showcasing what I do. Um, so when it comes to those hats, I also gain more experience because I'm learning about more different types of people and how not necessarily just to appeal to them, but how I can genuinely help them and use my skill set that's super eclectic and weird to build somebody else up or get them on the path to home ownership. Because I personally believe that that is how you start building generational wealth is by purchasing your first home. 
if you don't have any money to put down on a house or anything like that, the first step is literally talking to a lender and finding out how to make it happen so you can start building success, not just for you, but for the generations to come that are involved in your family. So kind of cool. Yeah, you mentioned that. I want to get get into that for a minute. But see, I judge being famous when my face is on the back of a bus bench. When I've made that bus bench as people are driving by and they see my face on the bus bench, then I know I've made it because that's something right there. Um, No, but you you mentioned boundaries. I want to talk boundaries first. Then I want to get into some of the specifics of what you do. But a lot of people have a hard time with boundaries. Yeah, I, I, I watch social media. I kind of peruse through it a lot. And you see a lot of people will post things about, you know, toxicity, boundaries, what are good boundaries and things like that. And so when you are in a people kind of pleasing business and you're trying to deal with a lot of different people, I'm sure you maybe have could have multiple um, projects going on at a time. How is it if someone is – in that situation and they're trying to develop proper boundaries for their own time and then business time, family time, friend time, me time, all that. Is there anything that you've kind of experienced in this last year as you've been building your business that maybe might help others to create these good boundaries? Okay. So anytime you own your own business and there's no schedule, you need to figure one out. Um, So you don't have a manager anymore. So, Something I do to keep me on track is my calendar. I live and die by my calendar. Um, I literally have almost every hour engaged with something. Um, And sometimes it's just like a placeholder. Like I have a notification that says post a stupid video. Um, And that's literally what it says. Um, Is the video stupid? No. But it's a reminder for me like, okay, you have to do that today. And it notifies me every 20 minutes until I do it. which is helpful. So keeping yourself on track, that's one of the most important things. And then realizing what is important around you. Because sometimes I feel like people forget what is important to them once they drown themselves in a job or drown themselves into a new hobby, like whatever it be, whatever it is, they put those blinders on and they forget that, you know, there is a life outside of that. And, being a public figure, real estate agent, you, like my job is 24 (laughs) seven. Like I don't get to take that hat off. I don't get to stop being Miranda Taylor. Miranda Taylor is my business. Like that is my business name. That is, that is who I'm attached to. So having an understanding of that and learning how to make time for those other things that are super important, make time for your family, your friends, like you have to schedule that and you can't forget about it. You can't forget who you are when you start to grow. Um, I like to go home and I like to relax and I would love to shut off my phone. You have to have boundaries Uh, as a real estate agent. You can never shut off your phone. Uh, It's illegal. Um, But you know, somebody messages at 3 a.m., I'm probably not going to answer the phone. Um, In the beginning, I had like kind of no boundaries with like time. And as I've progressed, I've set a little bit more boundaries when it comes to that. I'm still openly available for my clients when I need to go show them houses and things like that. And openly available for anybody who wants my help. I am there. But if I have a prior engagement or things like that, I don't feel guilty anymore about saying, hey, I can't do it during this time, but 
I can probably make it work during that time. And those boundaries are important because if you let everybody else around you control what time of day you're doing stuff, you will get overwhelmed. You will get stressed. You will cry. It won't be a good time. Um, And I've consistently grown in that area because work-life balance is important. But when your name is your work-life balance or it's a part of you, it's very hard to separate that. And, you know, every single, every single like exchange, um, every single time you talk to somebody, like that is an opportunity to sell a house. And they have that joke where a realtor will sell you there, a realtor, like in the first 10 minutes, nine times when you meet them. And it's because of that. So I don't automatically tell people I'm a realtor right away. And that's one of those things that I, I know that that's what is the norm. I don't feel like that's a personality trait of mine. Um, I like to consider myself an empowerer of people. Um, so when I talk to people, that's how I come across instead of, and that helps with that boundary because then I'm not always in work mode and people can actually get to know me as a person, build that relationship. And then if it becomes a working relationship, that's awesome. If that makes sense. Does that answer your question? I think yes, it does. Um, <laughs> no, because, because you talk about basically yourself as a brand, you know, and, and in the world of social media, I mean, how many people, their brand is who they are, you know, they're on social media and that's who they are. Um, I don't know anybody that's on social media that I may follow. Um, I don't know them in person. I know them from their brand being online. And that's kind of what we do. We kind of develop these online, these public personas. And in order to be able to maintain that public um, persona and to be able to have it so that our public persona, who we are for everybody to see, doesn't get tarnished, there has to be those balances because it can only take one time. I mean, look at look at Will Smith. I mean, Will Smith, you know, he has a resume of acting. If you look online, he has a resume of like inspirational and motivational um, comments and speeches and things that he's done. But in one moment of whatever crisis, all that seems to be you know upheavaled because of that one moment lapse of judgment. And so then a lot of people jump on him. So it's it is important to have that boundaries and those things because we are public people you are a persona you are a brand you are a business and it can only take one thing for all that to come crumbling down well and then on top of that like um i just recently rebranded um that was difficult because everybody knew me as my brand previously and so i love my new brand a lot more which is mother realtor badass I absolutely love that context, but in the beginning, like they were like, oh, you're changing. Like you're a different person. Yes, yes, I am. Um, because you do grow and like growing in that public eye is way different than um, doing that behind the scenes or like when you're initially starting. And then, you know, other branding choices that I've made, like I always wear green. Uh, I love green. It it brings me joy. It makes me happy. So I have no problem doing this and it makes shopping super easy. But people know me as, you know, the green girl with glasses. Like they all know me as that. They know me as the real estate agent with the green glasses. They know me. That's Miranda Taylor. And what's beautiful is I've created my brand, but I've also created a community of people who have no problem coming up to me 
and talking to me and saying, hi, Miranda, like, you don't know me, um, but I'm this person. Can I give you a hug? Um, I watched this and this was really helpful. Thank you. And being that and doing that in everything that you do, it can't, it, it doesn't get exhausting for me. Why? Because I, I don't have two personas. I'm genuinely Miranda Taylor. So when you see me online or anything like that, vulnerability, recording myself, I'm genuinely that way. Um, that's one of those things that I made that executive choice that that's a boundary of mine. I'm not going to change who I am for anybody online. I'm not going to try to be the cookie cutter person. There's going to be vulnerability. There's going to be times where I'm going through human experiences and it's okay for people to know that I'm going through those human experiences because that is what makes me me. And that's what makes me relatable. When you look and you see some of these influencers that are driving extremely nice cars or they're showing this lavish lifestyle, they're not approachable. <laughs> I don't ever want to be not approachable because I am still the down to earth little girl that grew up in small town, Nebraska, who no matter how successful she is, she's going to drive a minivan because it makes the most logical sense. And she's going to take care of the person in front of her. And she's going to take care of them no matter what their paycheck size is, whether it's small or large. It, it, that really matters to me in that genuinity. If that is a word, that might not be a word. Um, that's important to me. And that is like one of my core boundaries is I will never, I will never do something that makes me uncomfortable or that breaks apart of who I am as a person. If it makes me feel icky, I'm not going to do it. So. Now, you mentioned the lavish lifestyle, these influencers and celebrities. So naturally, mm -hmm. when it comes to buying a house, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, people can't afford a house. Uh, you probably got to give the lender, maybe somebody that's a little bit more creative. Mm -hmm. um, I know when we were working together, we kind of did away with the uh, the big institutions and we went with something a little bit, uh, someone who was a little bit more creative and it helped mm -hmm. me out, um, mm -hmm. not because of anything, but it's just it was just a nice it was, it was nice to be able to know that I do have the ability to do this. And here's someone that recognizes that. And they're not just going to make me a cookie cutter. Kind of like what you were talking about. You like dealing with people and you're a people person. So you're trying to get people into a home, fulfill this dream of theirs. But then all of a sudden, boom, you get hit by some corporation that's going to put the wall up and say, no, we can't do this because you don't fill out this, you don't check these boxes, X, Y, Z. So now we found somebody that was a little bit more creative that helped the situation. And now I was able to fulfill that dream. Um, but we get to the lavish lifestyle. Okay. There's expectations. Um, everybody wants that perfect, you know, Beverly Hills mansion that they see on TV or something. That's not always the case. So I guess my question is this, when you're talking about home buying and you get prepared and you get ready for it, I guess one of the biggest things will has to be expectation to realize that right now your dollar even though it's available, might only go so far. And if you have reasonable expectations, you can find that dream home that might be for now as you're building that wealth that you're talking about. Absolutely. And I think one of the hardest things for people to wrap their head around, and I was just talking with a client about this, because they're like, I don't understand why we have to do the finances first. I want to find the house I want, then I want to do that. Because they're like, I don't want my credit to hit if we don't find a house. I'm like, well, here's the thing. While I want a $500,000 house, I can't afford that. 
And I should not be looking at a $500,000 house because I can't afford that. I need to be looking at one down here. So why we have to do the finances first and why we have to have a realistic expectation is because if you are only approved for $200,000, that's a way different scenario than even two fifty. And if somebody has it in their head that they can afford X amount, and in reality, they can only afford this, it's very hard for them to find anything that they like. And when I sit down in the initial consultation, it's changed a little bit since the beginning song. I know it's a little different. Your wife, or, yeah, your wife loved me. Um, but, uh, and that's how that started. But with them, I'm very strict and very like, hey, like we have to do this first before we even start looking because I don't want you to fall in love and then get your heart broken. Because do you know how many times that has happened? So many. Um, you fall in love with something that's perfect and you think you can afford that and then you end up not. Um, that's the other important thing about finding like the right lender. I'm not one of those people who is like, you have to use X lender. You have to do this. I actually encourage my clients to talk to like three. And that doesn't mean that I'm not loyal to like partners that are lenders and things like that. Not at all. I have people that I refer out because I love working with them and they do a great job. But I know that they may not be the perfect solution for one of my clients. And I will tell you, the majority of my clients play in a space in 250 below, and they have some of the hardest financing to deal with because they're scraping dimes and pennies together for this American dream. So if they're doing that, we have to re be realistic and we have to understand what timelines look like, what, what that American dream is going to take. And even from the get-go, like sometimes I'll have clients that can't buy a house at all. They're not in any way, shape, or form. But I'm willing to put in the work in them if they're willing to give me just as much effort back. And we can create a custom solution so that they can get to that American dream or that home ownership or whatever you want to call it, whatever they're looking for. We can sit down and we can figure that out together. And I think that's one of the things that sets me apart from other people is because I try to say yes. And even if that yes has to be two years from now, I'm not a transactional human. It's extremely hard for me not to stay in contact with people who I've helped or people who are in my community that can utilize me as a resource. Like that's super important to me. So when I'm sitting down with these people, I try really, really hard to give those realistic expectations so that they can have genuine joy and genuine happiness because this will be their first home. It won't be their last. Most people have like five or six um, by the time, you know, they pass away. So, yeah. Well, no, it's interesting because a lot of what you're talking about when it comes to the home buying experience and what you do in your position um, is really a lot about life. You know, in life we have a goal. It could be, a career goal. It could be a vacation goal. It could be a, what I want to do on the weekend goal. It could be anything. And along the way, you've got these obstacles that will come up. Now, if you are going to achieve a career goal and an obstacle comes up, you're not going to let that obstacle hinder you from trying to get that advancement, that promotion. And so you're going to go try to go around it, over it, whatever to do, remove the obstacle. And that's the one thing that I learned going through the process was that it kind of mirrors life because you will have obstacles. You will have, oh, I like this place, but now there's multiple buyers, and now I just got outbid. Okay, bummer. Um, there's another place out there. Keep going. 
um, okay, everything's great, but then this institution is being bitchy. So, okay, you know what? Let's find an, uh, a solution to the problem. And it goes back to that problem-solving skills, overcoming obstacles in life, over hurdles, maybe um, changing a little bit the way that you might approach something or change your mindset a little bit. And so there's a lot of different things that when you do a real estate transaction and you're looking for them, actually mirrors real life in all those things that I just kind of mentioned. Absolutely. And like one of my favorite sayings that I'm going to say I coined it because I feel like it's original, but it's sometimes you have to keep moving forward, but sometimes you have to change direction to keep doing that. My favorite word of all time is the word forward. It is like my word. I have a little coin in my purse that says forward on it. And it's just a reminder that you have to keep doing that. So if you if you're at a roadblock and you can't move forward anymore, you got to change direction and you got to figure out how to get around it. And sometimes that takes creative problem solving and life, real estate, love, everything is going to throw so much crap at you. And you have to figure out how to navigate that and problem solve. In a real estate transaction, I'm not scared of anything because I know that no matter what, there is a solution. Is it always the easiest solution? No. But we can figure it out. And that's the thing with life. Like, no matter what is thrown at you, you can figure it out. You can either move forward or change direction and get around that roadblock without feeling like it's impossible. You have those like doubts and everything as you're going through that. But the reality is, is you can get past it because you can only move forward. So move forward, change direction, and just keep going. So when I have to be creative to change direction, to keep going, I do. And it's, it's so awesome because you can take the stuff that you learn in real estate and put it into your real life especially when you have a, like a really difficult client or a really difficult situation, you can literally take how you handled that and you can put it directly into how you navigate any other issues in your life. Like even with negotiation, um, I have not paid a bank fee in a very long time because of it. So it's super important to take that and always remember to move forward even if you have to change direction. so No, that's good advice because oftentimes people will just stop. You know, it's kind of like I talk about failure, okay? People like to look at failure as not accomplishing something. Okay, let's say you set out to, um, I don't know, let's say go to the gym and lift 50 pounds, okay? Mm -hmm. So you go to the gym, you're starting out, and you lift 25. You didn't, you didn't lift 50, so now you're done and you quit. Okay, but if you stayed at it and you were working out and working out and working out, eventually you'd get to the point where you maybe be able to lift 50 pounds or whatever it is that your goal is. And so people think that because you didn't make that attempt or you didn't accomplish that goal the first attempt that you failed, when in, actual, in actuality all you discovered was either A, a way not to do something, B, a way that you need to now, like you said, move direction, change, reformulate a plan, realize your strength. But the true failure comes only when you stop trying. That's when the true failure comes. And so if you stop trying, now you failed. So again, like you said, moving forward, changing direction, doing some of these things as long as you're going forward is sound advice because if you give up, that next step that you might have taken might have been the success that you were looking for. That next house that you went to 
might have been the house. In fact, when we were talking or when we were going through our experience, you know, we looked at a place and I was like, ah, whatever. We started looking at some other places and you're like, hey, let's go back and revisit. And then it turned out to be, yeah, that's actually the one after the revisit because of then it was a different mindset, a different direction, a different look at it, a different approach. And it became the place. And I don't think it would have been any other place out there would have been as good as the place that I'm in now. But it was because you had to refocus and you had to say, hey, let's look at it from a different perspective than what you might have looked at it the first time around. And when you change that mindset and you get over those hurdles and those obstacles, because, again, what they call it, lipstick and rouge, yeah. um, you know, you can you can fix some things. And then it became, oh, OK, I see the hidden gem underneath this, you know, place that I'm looking at right now that I'm not really happy about. Well, and that's the other thing. Okay. Emotions and empathy. Like the home buying process is one of the most emotionally charged situations that anybody is involved in. And one of those things that I am is I'm an extreme empath. Like I have a huge understanding of people's emotions more than they probably understand themselves. So when somebody reacts a certain way to a property or something like that, it's important for me to act accordingly because they may not even realize that they're feeling those emotions because a lot of adults are not healed people and they make decisions that are not good for them, um, especially in the real estate transaction because it's emotionally charged. So me as a real estate agent, I joke that I'm more than just a real estate agent. I'm a friend um, or I am, I'm your person, like what, whatever it may be. And it's because I do, like, that is one thing I do, like, is I feel out how people are actually feeling about the house. I know when it's the house before they even know it's the house because of how they react to it. And I know that there's a lot of decisions that become emotionally charged when you are in a transaction. So if you just got a loss, right, if you just got a loss from not winning one of those places that you absolutely loved, your view changes on that situation and you can be blocked and I can say, and I can see that. So that's one of those things that I pride myself on is that I am able to read my clients better than they can read themselves when it comes to those houses because emotion clouds our judgment. Quite often. Now, the way that we're living in this economy, there is a lot of uncertainty, for example. Now, earlier you mentioned gener uh, generational wealth. And so that's a long-term view to something that could affect your life, okay? It could be the next generation, the generation after that. One of the things that I was always uh, – kind of learning, I guess you could say, or, or at least was kind of the standard was leave life better for the next generation than what you had it. And that could be because of, you know, technology, you know, like my grandparents, they had no technology, but now we have a lot of technology. It could be because of economic situations. It could be because of all kinds of reasons. Okay. But in this economy, people tend to look at like the immediate, like the right here in front of their face. And I say, Ooh, I am no, I can't do that but yet they don't see the long term. So my question then for people that are out there and thinking, hmm, now's not a good time, is it a good time? Okay, so I may have a controversial opinion about this. 
There is never a bad time to buy a house. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a real estate agent, because that sounds like a complete and utter real estate agent thing to say. But there is never a bad time to buy a house. It's just whether you can or not. Because the thing about housing is it's always going to be there. And if you look at the coasts, the coasts are way worse than in the Midwest. I'm out of the Midwest. Um, and stuff tends to hit us last. So in my market, because I can't talk about anybody else's, um, because I'm not from there, uh, it is a great time to buy a house right now if you live in Omaha, Nebraska. And come find me on social media. Uh, there's a shameless plug there. Um, especially right now because we're heading into the holiday season so things are going to slow a little bit so you can probably get a decent deal but on top of that like people are like oh the interest rates are higher like there's going to be a housing crash i don't think there's going to be a housing crash i don't have a crystal ball so you can't hold me to that opinion but there is never a bad time to buy a house because of how the ebb and flow of real estate is and if you're going to be there for at least five years it's not a bad choice and in omaha in particular I would say there's almost a housing crisis here. Um, there's so many people on Section 8 wait lists. There's so many people who are on a wait list to even just get into housing in general that are renting. And there's so many people who want to purchase a home and don't know how, and they think that they can't. And it is my goal and my duty to tell them it is actually easier than renting. Um, so that's kind of my opinion on it. There's never a bad time to buy a house. And for instance, I bought my house in 2018. Uh, I was 21 at the time, and my house appreciated an insane amount, um, and it was a gut. Like, I had to put in a lot of work to get it to where it is at. Um, so with that being said, like, at any point in time, now that I have been in that house for a long time, I've gained equity, I can tap into that equity. So if something bad happens, I can utilize that money. I can liquidate that money and utilize it and not be in a bad situation. Or let's say I want to buy an investment property because I want to have 18 investment properties by the time I'm 35. So if that's the mindset that I want, I'm able to utilize that with like zero down. I didn't put any down payment on my house. I paid zero dollars. And now I have this equity that I can access and I want other people to learn how to do this, especially young people. Like if I were to do life over, which you can't, you can only move forward. Remember, I were to do life over, I totally would have house hacked instead. I would have bought a house that was decent sized, pretty easy to manage. And I would have had five roommates and I would have charged them all. So they all covered my rent and I lived there for free. And I would have done that until, you know, I was ready to settle down and have a family. So if I were to do life over again, that's immediately what I would do. What I think people need to teach their children and teach their young adults or young adults listening need to know is get your credit good enough to purchase a home. Get yourself a job good enough to purchase a home so that while you're going to college, while you're going to school, while you're doing any of that, you have the capability to do that. And parents, Make it easy for your kids to do that by utilizing different financial vehicles to get your kids to that point by the time they are 19. In some states, I think it's 18. I think even in Nebraska it is. I always have to double check um, because it changes state by state. But get them to the point where they're able to do that because it's, it is a security of wealth that will continue to grow and continue to appreciate because the houses in like New York and Utah, Utah is insane. 
houses in like New York and Utah, they weren't always so expensive. There was a time when they were dirt cheap. So that will eventually happen to the Midwest. So if you're in the Midwest, buy now. Um, not just saying it because I'm a real estate agent, but saying it because legitimately it is one of the easiest ways to secure wealth. And while we have this luxury of being able to still afford affordable housing, we need to take advantage of that. And people need to take advantage of that. Also, so like the big corporations don't just completely and utterly take over. It's That is a passion of mine is literally getting families into homes and getting that home ownership and educating them about that and how to go about doing that because it is the easiest way to secure wealth if you don't have $5,000 to just put into like an index fund or some sort of fancy financial vehicle. It is the easiest way to gain wealth. And I can talk about this all day because this is something I'm super passionate about. But when I have these one-on-one -on -one consultations and I explain this to people who have never had anybody take the time of day to even explain to them how to budget a budget, it blows their mind because they're like, you, you mean I can put $0 down and like I can, instead of paying somebody else, I'm paying myself, like kind of, there's a little bit more moving parts of it, but that is the simple as can simple be. And we live in a rural area where rural areas still exist. So we can utilize loan types like USDA, like FHA, that allow people to get into housing that is affordable. And it's really no different than a conventional. People want to argue about it, but it's really no different. Um, it's just backed by the government. So it's easier for people to access. Well, that's the thing. You talk about changing your mindset, changing your direction. I mean, think about it. Okay, you live on the coast. I mean, I think the average home here, I read California is like almost, depending where you're at, a million dollars for the average home. New York, maybe the same way. So that might not be attainable. But if you look other places, maybe you don't want to live there right now, but you buy someplace in the Midwest. You buy someplace that's affordable, and you start building it. You start building that wealth, and you start building – that equity in that house, then that might be able to be a jump start to get you to a place that might be a little bit more of where you want to be and what you want to do. And I think that's something that, again, with education, because you mentioned, you know, zero down and some of these different things. I bet if you ask a lot of people, first off, they think that home ownership is unattainable. They're like, nope, can't do it. I'm not even interested in thinking about it. Second, they think, okay, I'm interested, but I need what, 30% down, not going to happen. Um, so why would I even do it? So again, they're just giving up because they see an obstacle there right in front of them, and they might be misunderstanding what that obstacle is because there are, like you just mentioned, several things that you can do, especially if you are open to um, some different strategies, like maybe find a place out of state, renting it out. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are in the property management market, uh, market that will take care of that thing for you. Just get a, you know, cut them a check. Um, and then it goes from there. And so I think education is really the place. And I think that's something that you're kind of working on something about educating people on the whole process of home ownership, how to buy it, and that just that whole process. Well, and I'm actually working on a curriculum um, that I want to put into a nonprofit to help people understand what exactly is one financial literacy. Like we need that. Everybody needs that. They don't teach you that. Like I grew up below the poverty line. Like I did not grow up 
with a silver spoon in my mouth. I know what a slice of bread is. I promise you. It is breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it is a delicious dessert with cinnamon toast on top. It's delicious. I know what being poor is, and they don't teach you any of this stuff. In order for me to learn any of the stuff I learned, I had to hang out with people that were in a very much higher like class bracket than me in order to understand any of it. And I firmly believe that everybody deserves the right to just know how to budget and know how to build wealth. Like that's only fair. So I'm working really hard towards that goal and helping people understand how to, how to just be successful in general, even if it's a simple necessity is finding inexpensive housing that is, working towards your equity versus paying somebody else's American dream or somebody else's equity. And people think it's extremely difficult. And the only reason it is extremely difficult for people is because you have to be able to get through the hard part of creative problem solving in that education gap that you may not have. And eventually I want to have my own whole entire like curriculum that is just like, I can just send a video and then people understand. I wish I was at that point right now because that would be great um, working on it. But, you know, when I have these individual conversations, every single person's like life story or their situation is completely different. So each time I'm approaching it, I'm approaching it like it's the first time I'm seeing a situation like that because there's so many obstacles in life and there are so many obstacles in the real estate side of things and the finance side of things that you have to look at it with an open mind. If you don't look at it with an open mind, you're going to put yourself in a corner and you're never going to be successful because you're going to just stop. You're not going to move forward and you're not going to change direction. You are going to be stuck in that mindset that you have to be stuck in your situation. People talk about generational trauma. They talk about generational wealth or generational poverty. And it's hard. I'm not saying any of this is extremely easy, but with a mindset change and the know-how and the can-do attitude, like you can get that done. I like to talk with my hands and it's really hard to get it in the <laughs> the uh, video square. But Yeah, it is like, yeah, like do this. <laughs> yes. But to get to get that know-how and to get that is like so important. And that is one of my goals is to help people be educated about these things that nobody teaches you. They, you know, teach you about math and history and things that may not be helpful to some people in their situation. They don't teach you real life skills. And then the real life skills that you need, you are just kind of thrown to the wolves and are like, figure it out. So. Well, that's the thing that I see in teaching, especially with some of the younger kids. Like they're just, it's so foreign to them that they don't even care. They're just like, they've already given up almost. They don't see the realism that in this day and age you can. I mean, a lot of people like music and you think back to the day you had to have a record producer, you had to have a record agent, you know, somebody from the record label come and seek you out and get a contract. Now with the internet and with even some of these, you know, uh, talent shows and stuff on TV, there's a lot of people that are becoming famous and doing a lot of things without the traditional way of how it used to be. Um, we talk about social media. A lot of people that become influencers because influencers because of social media. And it's like this would have never happened even just maybe five years ago. 
uh, 10 years ago. And people are creating online businesses and they're attaining things and achieving things that they might not have even thought about. I mean, I think about to date myself, the cell phone business wasn't even a career mind in, you know, growing up because there was no cell phones. I mean, that wasn't even a thing. And then all of a sudden, what's these cell phones that we saw in Star Trek? And now all of a sudden they're, they're like real. <laughs> and now all of a sudden people are in the, in, in the start, you know, in the, in the, the flip phone business and the phone business. And all of a sudden now that's a whole industry that telecommunications and, um, and it goes on and on and on. So people have already given up and they don't realize that they don't have to because what they're used to, like you mentioned, whether it's generational trauma, poverty, whatever the situation is, it can be overcome. You just have to change your mindset, change your direction, and have the attitude of I can. Because one thing I like to say, if you can do something, you're probably right. If you can't do something, you're probably right. It just depends on how you're going to approach it. Exactly. And then on top of that, what else is extremely difficult is when you have been traumatized or you are going, I'm going to call it trauma because that's what it is. Um, when you have gone through that and it happens over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to you and you don't know how to deal with that to move forward and nobody has given you the skills to move forward from that, it makes it extremely difficult. And then people need need help and they need to ask for that help and ask for that support. And we have been a society for a very long time that that's been a like, don't do that kind of situation. Like don't ask for help. Like you shouldn't ask for help. And I am in, in a totally different zone when it comes to that. You don't know what kind of support you need until you ask for it or you say, Hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. Who can help me? I'm struggling with this. Who can help me with this? That is when you truly learn. And that is when you're truly able to get over that. Again, it's changing your direction and changing your mindset. Whether people want to call it getting out of a toxic situation. I know men struggle with like toxic masculinity. Women struggle with like feeling like they can't have careers anymore, that they can't have these struggles and they have nobody to talk to about it. And I'm one of those people that like if I'm struggling with something, while I may not give all the details like in the forefront, I'm going to be the person that's going to say, I have something going on right now. I don't know how to get past it. I don't know what to do. How do I move forward? How do I do this? Somebody who's been through something similar, what did you do? How can we compare notes? Same with business, uh, community over competition. If there's somebody who's out there killing it and doing what you want to do, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be like, oh, I can't ask you for help because you're successful. Absolutely not. You go talk to them. You say, hey, Mr. Miss, I need help. How do you do this? How do you get this done? I want to do the exact same thing. This is what I'm struggling with. And I think part of that's pride and things like that. But you have to be able to do that. And especially in real estate, I can tell you that the majority of people in their first year struggle. I struggled. I struggled really hard in the beginning because I had no clients. I had no clients for the first six months. And then I had to get creative and change direction. And I focused on something that was important. And I asked for support. I talked to different people that were being successful and what that looked like to them. So that's another, another thing that I'm super passionate about is always ask for help because you don't know what kind of army is behind you ready to fight with you to get you where you need to be. Um, 
more specifically, we've been talking about a lot of things, but more specifically, some do's and don'ts, maybe mm-hmm. just a couple things that people might be, okay, you've kind of changed my mind on this. I'm kind of into this now. I understand it's attainable. Mm-hmm. But what are some like specific do's and don'ts when you move forward on, on uh, home buying? So the biggest thing is, is don't listen to online people. And I say that as I am an online person. <laughs> don't listen to online people. Talk to somebody that is in your your neck of the woods, in your hood. Like, go talk to them. Go say, okay, this is my situation. This is what it looks like. What does it look like at a local level? Because if you talk to me about what's going on in Washington State, I'm going to be like, I have no idea. I don't know what that market is. I don't have a license there. I'm not going to be able to talk, talk you through that. Um, that's my biggest thing is, like, there's a lot of real estate gurus online. There's a lot of... Um, stock market, you know, housing market gurus online, but they're not looking at it at a local level. They're looking at it at a broad spectrum. And I will tell you in our neck of the woods, it's different. What somebody in New York is going to talk about is going to be different than what I'm going to talk about because we're different. And also you have to make sure that the person you are talking to is knowledgeable about it. So another big misconception is that when you're hiring somebody that you should hire somebody with ample amount of experience and yes and no i like to use the term you want to hire somebody with ample amounts of knowledge on what you're looking for there are realtors that do not work in my my area there are realtors that will only work in the 500 plus Uh, i'm not one of the people who is an expert in million dollar listings if you haven't, if you, if you want to hire me, please, please. Yes, I will learn fast for you, but I am an expert in 250 below. I am the expert in 250 below in my neck of the woods. And if that's what you're looking for, I'm the type of realtor you need because I'm aggressive. I understand the market. I understand how to negotiate. I understand how to get in there. And I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to look at somebody who's been doing this for 20 years and tell them they're wrong when they're wrong. And I'm also not afraid to be like, I don't know the answer to this question. I need to get help. And what you'll find is sometimes there are people who are not like that. And it's important that you find somebody that one, you mesh with, but two, has that knowledge that you need on the area that you're looking for. I would not be an expert in a million dollar listing. I would not be the person you'd come to. If you want to, I'm willing to give it a shot, but I wouldn't be that expert. I would be the expert in 250 below or 300 or the ones that are obtainable for families, homeowners, um, first time home buyers, people in that kind of niche. Um, doesn't mean I can't help somebody in the other one, but it just means that I might not be the right fit for you. There will be somebody else out there. And I think a lot of people take referrals and things like that but you really have to ask those right questions like what is your specialty like what do you enjoy the most what are you good at if this is my situation can you handle that like how would you handle that and asking those questions because if you just go off somebody that is like super popular on tiktok or super popular in this that could be a persona it could be not actually what It is you need to interview your lenders as well. You need to interview your lenders. You need to have more than one. 
talk to multiple people, not just just one person. Unless you've known them for a really long time and you're best friends with me, then uh, if you use somebody else, I'll be super mad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that is the truth. The other like big thing is you have to budget first. If money's not an object or whatever, and you have hundreds of thousand dollars in your bank account, this this is not for you. This information is not for you. But you have to budget. You have to know what your budget is. If you have no idea and you're just going to go off the pre-approval, sometimes they can pre-approve you for way more than you actually want. And then you're stuck with an outrageous payment that you you can't handle. So the other do is budget. You Before you even talk to a lender, you want to know exactly how much you want to pay monthly. Because if you don't know that and you're, let's say, approved for $300,000 and then your payment ends up being like $2,500 a month and you can't handle that $2,500 a month, you're stuck. You're stuck in a very bad situation and that's how people get foreclosed on. You can't trust anybody but yourself when it comes to some of this stuff. And what I teach my clients when they talk to me is what is your budget? Like, you need to break that down. If you can't give me that answer, we shouldn't move forward. We need to figure all of that stuff out. And then my last, like, big big thing that's super important is open mind. Um, you were there with me. I took you some, to some houses that y'all weren't unsure about. But when we did that, we were able to compare. A lot of people want to look at, like, one house at a time. And I'm like, no, we need to at least look at two that way you have you can compare them back and forth. You have to have something to compare it to. So you have to keep that open mind. If your agent is saying, hey, here's this, it fits all your criteria, but you're saying, oh, these pictures are ugly or something like that. And they say, no, go look, go look. It's worth it to just go look. And if they're willing to put in that time and effort for you, they're doing it for a reason. So that's the other thing. I think a lot of people get closed off because they want, they have this idea in their head of what it's going to look like. And depending upon the budget, sometimes that's not possible. So you have to keep that open mind and also communication. Um, You have to communicate your feelings. And I know that that's really hard for some people, but you have to tell that person how you're feeling and you have to be honest with them, especially your agent. Like, if you have an agent that has a fiduciary duty to you, um, which in my state, if you're my buyer and I we're not looking at a listing that I'm also on, like, I'm yours. Like, I am only have your best interest in mind. I only have your fiduciary duty in mind. So I don't care about anybody else but you. So it's important to share those feelings and share exactly what you're looking for, what you hate, what you don't like. I know sometimes people make the negative stuff uncomfortable or awkward, but it shouldn't be. So I've done to that answer your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It gives people an idea of just kind of, you know, what's out there because again, amongst the things that we've talked about, which has been a lot, but it's just given people an opportunity to just kind of see what you've done. You know, it's, it's been a multifaceted conversation. People have seen what you've done. You've taken your passion, making it happen. You started out, and now look where you are a year later. In fact, um, you've been nominated for something. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I uh, a couple days ago, I got on the old Facebook, and I had a bunch of notifications. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? 
Um, apparently, there's this award. It's called an Inspire Award. And somebody took the time to fill out like a 10-page application um, or multiple somebodies. I'm not sure which. And literally nominated me for this Inspire Award because they felt I was inspiring. Um, which, got to feel your emotions here. Don't want to cry on camera. But that meant the world to me. That meant that all the hard work that I'm doing, everything that I talk about is full circle. Somebody is listening. Somebody is taking what I'm saying and able to either be a better person because of it or feel like they're in a better place than they were before. And like I was saying, I do a lot more than just real estate. It's my favorite. But I do a lot of stuff with like the women empowerment community and helping women understand how to be a badass because everybody deserves that. Everybody deserves that feeling that they have their shit together. And uh, I don't know if I can say that. Um, everybody deserves Everybody deserves that feeling. And when that happened, that was my, this is my badass moment. I have my shit together. Somebody cares. Somebody cared to listen. And I was able to make a difference in somebody's life. And that is my goal. My goal legitimately is to make life enjoyable for the other people around me and make everybody feel good and appreciate their life a little bit more than they did before. So, yeah. And see, and that's again, part of the, the reason to have you on too, is so that other people can see instead of me just preaching it, they can see somebody actually, like I said, I don't even think it's been a year. Maybe it's about a year now. Um, but um, just within a year of time, you went from starting out to now be nominated for the work that you've done. And you can see the passion when you talk about it. You can see the experience, the knowledge. So that's one. Two, maybe try to educate some people that, you know, if you are interested in home ownership, it's not that far off. All the stereotypes or all the urban legends or whatever you call them that you might think about the myths of home buying aren't going to be there. There's ways around it. And especially now in what everyone's perceived as a inflationary time. And okay. So the people on TV are saying, don't buy now might be the time because again, if you are there and willing to have that opportunity and change the mindset, look at things differently and understand a little bit more then people have a, um, you know, might have a better chance at achieving their dream of home ownership. But on top of that, if you're out there trying to do something, a business, a career, a project, whatever it might be, here's somebody that did it. You know, here's somebody that is doing multiple things, but one of the things is her career and she's doing it. And within a year is being quite successful at it. So again, you don't have to sit there and think this is something that's going to take me 10 years to achieve. If you put your mind to it, you put your heart into it, and you really want to do it, you can take your passion, you can make it happen, and you can let yourself be great. And I think that's something that people can see when they talk to you and they hear your story about where you've come just within this year that I've known you. Well, and what I will tell you, I'll like even make it better for you. I was actually on welfare when I was showing houses to you. So um, March... March of this year, or March or April of this year, um, that was completely done. And then of June of this year, I became completely debt-free. So um, that was a big deal. Um, yeah, and congr congratulations <laughs> yeah. on that because that is huge. It is. I mean, it, it, in, well, and I did it all helping people. Like, I didn't, I didn't do anything sketchy or weird or get rich quick 
or anything like that. I did it with an abundance mindset and the ability that no matter what I was going to do, I was going to be successful by caring for others and having everybody else's best interest in mind and my best interest in mind too. Obviously we talked about boundaries, but um, yeah, no, you can, if you put in the work and you have that can do attitude, you truly can do things that you think were unattainable or unimaginable. Yeah. And you didn't roll over and play victim. You know, you pulled up your boots by the straps and went after it. And I think if people take that mentality, they can overcome those generational things that we were talking about earlier and make themselves better. So I appreciate you sharing those and uh, sharing your story and sharing the, just your life with us and how you approach things. And, um, before we get all the information as where people can find you Mm -hmm. any outlast uh, words that you want to share with people. Yes. So bits of wisdom. My biggest bit of wisdom is if you're stuck, if you feel like you can't move forward, reach out to somebody. It doesn't have to be somebody you're super close to. It can be a crazy lady on TikTok that is talking about housing, but reach out to somebody. If you are just genuinely curious about something or you feel stuck in your life, no matter what it is, if you feel like you can't move forward or change direction, reach out to somebody. You will be so surprised at how just having a conversation with somebody about your struggles will literally fix your problem because you will start to get those creative juices flowing and you will move forward or you will change direction. It doesn't have to be somebody who has their shit together. It doesn't have to be somebody that is super famous. It can literally just be anyone around you because the first step to moving forward is asking for help. So. Now, if people are in your neck of the woods, say Omaha, Nebraska, or I guess eastern part of Nebraska, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) eastern part, the metro area, as they Mm -hmm. call it, Um, okay, so if you're in the metro area of Omaha, Nebraska, you can contact Miranda, and she can help you with the home buying. Mm -hmm. If you're outside of the area, she can't help you in that aspect of being an agent, but you've heard a lot about her, her thoughts on, you know, overcoming uh, her thoughts on mindset, her thoughts on uh, just her knowledge of and education. So, again, she does have boundaries. So if you call at 3 a.m., she's going to ignore you. <laughs> but she might actually reach out and give you some advice if you want to talk to her. So with that being said, where can people find you? So there, you can literally just Google my name and then Kelly Realty because that is my real estate company. Um, and by mine, I mean that is my broker's. Um, that's who I work for. I work for a small mom and pop. So I don't work for a big corporation or anything like that. I work for a company called Kelly Realty out of Omaha here. Um, you just Google my name, Miranda Taylor with a day and Kelly Realty. And you can literally find me anywhere. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I have a PR person. I'm pretty sure she's like downloaded all the things. So you can probably find me anywhere. Um, I also have a link tree, which I don't know if we would be able to put that somewhere. And it has all my links, has a bunch of resources. Uh, If you're in the Omaha Metro and you just need help finding a contractor, I have a bunch of referrals on there as well. Um, The other thing I will say, if you are outside the Omaha Metro or not in Nebraska, because I'm only licensed in Nebraska, I do have a huge network because one of my biggest things is I shake every single person's hand I meet and I make great friends with every single person I meet. So if you are outside that range, I can also find you an agent that will be similar to me, that has a similar mindset, similar can-do attitude, 
and will treat you like I would treat you. So if that is something you're also looking for, do reach out to me because I can help you out with that. Um, I'm a great judge of character. Yeah, and sometimes all it needs is that first step, and people don't know what that first step is, and so that's why I thought maybe you might be able to be the first step, whether that first step is now that personal interaction or that first step is guidance or pointing pointing them in the direction of somebody else. Miranda Taylor, thank you so much. We appreciate your uh, time coming on and sharing with us, and um, it's great to see you do uh, <laughs> you doing so well. And um, again, just appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate your time too. This was an honor, like legit. Like this made my whole entire year song. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Appreciate <laughs> your kind words. Um, for my stuff, you can find. Uh, go to our website, radiowarp.com. That's radio w a r p radiowarp.com. You can click on the. Two Steps Ahead podcast logo. All our shows pop up, including this one. Um, you can also find us anywhere you listen to podcasts on the audio side. We also have SoundCloud, which you can download and take with you on the go, our YouTube channel. Best place to find all that, again, is go to RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P. Or you can find us on Instagram at TWO, Two Steps Ahead podcast. And then, much like Miranda said, we have a link tree link in the bio. Click that, and it will take you to all the places you need to go. Um, Google search TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. And the coolest thing, hey, Suri, hey, Alexa, hey, Google, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. So, again, take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Sonny Adam, and until next time, we'll see you then.